Welcome to the return of the Primal Endurance Podcast. This is your host, Brad Kearns, and we are going on a journey to a kinder, gentler, smarter, more fun, more effective way to train for ambitious endurance goals. Visit primalendurance.fit to join the community and enroll in our free video course. Hey, ladies. You may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. As with the male Gaines Wave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gaines Wave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits... You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhanced pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. You visit the website gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. Hey listeners, one of my favorite athletes ever to speak to and learn so much from and take such great inspiration from. It's the all-time triathlon great Mark Allen. And this guy is a chill dude. He is so thoughtful, so spiritual. He's written books about spirituality. He is deeply involved in um, retreats and spiritual growth with his longtime sidekick in that area, Brant Secunda. Uh, we have all kinds of great links for you to see what Mark Allen is up to. He's so much more than a triathlon coach, which uh, is his uh, primary profession. Uh, but there's such, so many dimensions to this guy, and there always have been. So when I was a young triathlete coming up, I looked to this guy for a tremendous inspiration uh, because he was really thoughtful. And it wasn't just a straight-ahead I'm kicking your ass because I'm the best type of vibe. But he was always thinking about how to improve, um, what personal growth lessons you could learn from competing in such a difficult sport and, and having to train so hard. And it was a really tight community. So I would get to know him uh, in a training environment and in the traveling and hanging around at race sites and then uh, say goodbye to him when the gun went off because this guy was virtually unbeatable uh, for the duration of his career. He performed at the highest level that you could ever imagine uh, through all manner of race distances, all uh, through the race calendar. Um, he was the 10-time world champion at Nice, France, and he was the six-time Hawaii Ironman champion. Uh, but if you're not familiar with his story, you're not in the triathlon uh, scene, uh, you get, you get a, a pass here. But if you're a triathlete, of course you are. Uh, but really integral to his story is how he struggled and failed so frequently, repeatedly, at winning the pinnacle of the sport, the Hawaii Ironman World Championship. And he had so much pressure on him as the number one guy year after year after year, but he had these crazy string of mistakes and misfortunes out on the island, and uh, he would just get snake bit like you couldn't even imagine to what level. So in his string of six losses before his first victory, where arguably uh, he was the favorite in most of those, uh, one time he had a broken bicycle derailleur that knocked him out of the race. Another time he had two flat tires that cost him a tremendous amount of time to the extent that he finished fifth. Another time he had a 10-minute lead uh, midway through the marathon run. He had a four-minute lead at mile 20 of the marathon run and was caught and passed by Dave Scott and sent directly to the hospital at the finish line uh, because he had some major health situation, internal bleeding. And so he basically, you know, has pushed his body 
harder as hard or harder than any human who's ever lived on the planet and has such a reflective attitude about the whole thing and very low key and modest. Today, he lives this really chill surfer dude lifestyle uh, a couple blocks from the beach in Santa Cruz. You can find him out there on the lineup just enjoying the simple life and simple pleasures of uh, pushing and challenging his body now in a reasonable way as a surfer, uh, but also coaching and contributing so much to the uh, the spiritual growth of people as well. Mark Allen, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Here we go. Today we have Mark Allen with us. And if you're not familiar with the sport of triathlon, you know that uh, Mark Sisson and myself have that long history in the sport. And we're talking to the greatest triathlete of all time. And it's such a privilege to get you on the podcast, Mark. Yeah, I thought you were the greatest triathlete of all time. I got it. I guess I got that wrong. I don't know. Well, as the quote goes, the older the older we get, the faster we were. <laughs> and um, offline, we were talking about how, how impressive our performances were way, way back when. So it, it is true. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's a marvel. And in your case, uh, for those listeners unfamiliar with your career, the, the amount of, of work you accomplished and how hard you worked and of course, the success you had too, but the whole package of what you did to be really one of the pioneers of the sport, one of the early, early guys, one of the earliest professionals ever to actually, you know, pick up a check and make it your profession, but also the longevity of going, um, you won the world championships in Nice, France, 10 times out of 10 tries. And then over in Hawaii, the Hawaii Ironman, you bagged six victories in Hawaii, um, had a few more tries than than six, but that's part of the allure of your story and your your characters that you struggled so much as an athlete and, and tried so hard to, to achieve that ultimate goal and had assorted setbacks and then came through and, and found the winning formula and and you know piled up those wins and that overall competitive record that's still unrivaled today. Yeah, you know, I I I always I was cynical at points during the early years of Ironman racing, thinking, you know, why haven't I won this thing? I can win other races everywhere, but I come to Kona and I have, have the major meltdown. You know, I can I can be leading the race off the bike, I can be leading the race halfway through the marathon, I can be leading the race with three or four miles to go, but I can't cross that finish line in first. But uh in retrospect, looking back over, you know, the sum total of everything, I realized that it was those those making it through those tough races and the toughest moments in the tough races where it didn't turn out right that enabled me to then sort of draw upon a steadiness when I was actually having a good race uh, to make it come out the way it did and get those six six victories because no matter how um, great the race looks from the outside at Ironman in Hawaii there. You have a thousand moments where you want to quit, where you want to give up, where, you know, your, your energy is fading, where somebody's farther ahead than you had planned them to be. And, um, you know, it, it takes it takes a certain amount of steadiness to just stick with it and, and stay fully engaged, regardless of how impossible the outcome might look. And that, that's that's kind of what I learned in those early earlier years racing there where, uh, you know, I was second, third, fifth, but not, but not first. And in the end, that was the gold that enabled me to uh, put the, the six victories together, part of it anyway. Uh, and I, I think the cool thing here, I mean, this is not a tri-geek podcast. So if you want to go and listen to Mark talk at length about the intricacies of the racing and the, the wins and losses, there's some great material on the internet. But most of our listeners are just primal paleo healthy living enthusiasts. But that point that you jumped right into, I think, is relevant to all areas of life. And you and I have both been retired from the professional circuit, blowing our brains out for many, many years. But you pull on these lessons and that ability to release your attachment to the outcome, something you want so badly, you want to succeed so badly. But sometimes that can get in your way. And it, it happens in the workplace, relationships, uh, all kinds of fitness goals, losing weight, being too fixated on the outcome, and struggling accordingly. You know, there has to be a certain amount of um, sort of satisfaction or pleasure in just making those small steps and, uh, uh, you know, progressing toward whatever that big goal is uh, to the point where the small steps become the 
the great victories. And when that happens, then that puts you squarely in the crosshairs of achieving that ultimate goal of whatever it might be, losing weight, being more healthy, uh, becoming a faster athlete, better person, whatever it is. But all, all of those all of those big changes uh, happen very slowly over time, as, as you know, Brad. And, um, you know, I, I had to learn that as an athlete that, you know, fitness doesn't come at the speed of Twitter. It takes years to develop that real core fitness and to do it in a way that, that it's healthy. And you, you touched on that a little bit. Um, you know, my career lasted 15 years as a professional triathlete, which was longer than most. Uh, and I and I was able to pretty much get a little bit faster each of those 15 years, which was unheard of. And, um, you know, my I, my approach was to do what I could, uh, but still honor my body, uh, meaning, you know, Certainly at, at points I, I pushed the limit of what I was capable of doing, but then I would back off and recover. Um, I took long off seasons. I didn't over over race. And uh, I think it's because of that, you know, I had a, a pretty long career and was able to win Ironman at age 37, which in my final victory. And that was the oldest champion at that time. Well, I think that's we all uh, looked up to you. You were setting the pace in the sport and winning all the races. But at the same time, you were probably one of the least um, obsessive compulsive types, <laughs> and it was a wonderful lesson for me, especially because you know you, you want something so bad, and and there's guys in front of you on the race course. In my case, um, and uh, you know we we were so programmed to think that the way to get there is to just uh, push on the gas pedal harder. Mm. And I remember. Um, going down the, the world famous Tuesday run in San Diego, of which you were a, a frequent participant. And it was a, it was a real big time deal, right? There was 50, 60 guys out there in the parking lot and the pace was very lively and you would see all your top competitors on the world circuit. So you could really gauge how you did. And, you know, I'd, I'd go down only occasionally from my training base in LA and it would be on a day where she's, I better get ready to bring it. I'm not just going to drive down there for fun. I'm going to, you know, try to stay in the lead pack. And I remember one day going through that grueling 12-mile uh, running session on the trails in North San Diego County and then finishing and uh, stretching out in the parking lot and chit-chatting. And then here comes running up the road, um, the world's number one triathlete, Mark Allen, several minutes behind the final guy, the final straggler in the back of the pack. And I, I went up to you in the parking lot. I'm like, Mark, well, what's going on, man? You're, you're so far <laughs> off the back. People are already heading out to breakfast. And you told me that, in case you don't remember, Mark, I know you did a lot of Tuesday runs. You told me that you overslept a bit and started the workout late. And it's like for the outside observer, looking at the, you know, the great sport of triathlon and the guy on the magazine cover every month, and he overslept a bit and missed this most important, most lively competitive workout of the entire week down there with all the top pros. I loved my sleep. That was one of my secrets. Uh... You know, I when I was done with my training at the end of the day, I was done and I, I didn't uh, I didn't obsess. I didn't analyze. You know, it's just like, OK, I, I did my swim, my bike, my run. And now I'm done. And then I was just at just myself, a normal person that had nothing to do with, with being a triathlete. And so when I went to bed at night, you know, I got great sleep, deep sleep. And I think that really helped me to recover. And. People discount sleep, they discount recovery, and they discount uh, how the overall um, l volume of life stress needs to be taken into account when you're when you're thinking about how much should I train or how fast should I train or you know what what are my goals is is the stress that I'm under holding me back from losing that weight is it is it uh, sort of blinding me to being able to choose food choices that are actually fueling my body as opposed to just satisfying, um, you know, some, some craving that's being created because I'm overly stressed. And so that, you know, that was kind of one of the under underlying things that I really tried to do was to keep my life fairly stress, low stress, uh, which meant that sometimes, yeah, I, I missed that, that start line of the Tuesday run or the Wednesday ride. And, would end up doing my own thing because the sleep was more important than logging another fast workout. 
Yeah, and that's the, the the cool thing about being an athlete, I think, is the the graphic nature of success and failure. So if you did step over that line at any point and compromise sleep, compromise peak performance in some way, um, you're going to get injured. You're going to get your butt kicked in the next race. And here we are in the the regular workplace world, the rat race, where you know there's no immediate penalty for flipping open that laptop screen and catching up on emails from from 10 p.m. until 11:15. But in the long run, and you know, brain studies and science show this: you're compromising your effectiveness and your performance when you skimp on sleep and when you get your hormones out of balance. And you mentioned the weight loss goal, and it's you know becoming more and more apparent that the quality of your sleep is directly relevant to your ability to even do something as seemingly unrelated as dropping excess body fat. Hmm. Yeah, like um, for me, I, I, I'm still kind of a nine to 10 hour a night kind of a guy. You know, I, I, I exercise pretty much every day, but my, my go-to activity now where I live in Santa Cruz is surfing. Uh, but it's a great it's great cardio. It's it's my my yoga because you're moving in every every different direction. It's not just a, a linear motion like running or, or cycling. Uh, it's my time in nature. You know, it's just hanging out with the guys in the water. And um, but it it takes energy, and I got to recover from it. And uh, I, I find that nine, sometimes ten hours of sleep that does it. If I get seven or eight, um, I'm just not as sharp, and it become if it. If I stick with the, that less sleep over time, I see that it becomes more difficult to to uh, concentrate, to work with um, sort of more logical details that have to do with my work. And uh, so sleep is sleep is one of the secrets to, to youth, I think. Oh, my God. You have no idea how validated and and happy I feel that you said that, because I uh, a lot of times feel like a wuss because I absolutely need nine to 10 hours. And when I was racing during that nine year, I only lasted nine years, Mark. I, I crapped out at the age of 30, but uh, <laughs> I slept for half that time. I slept for the 10 every night and I took a two hour nap every afternoon. And right. then, you know, we have little kids and then all of a sudden it goes down to seven or eight. And it was like, it was a disaster for me. I was, I was very, very sensitive, but you, you get socialized in, in the, especially in the working world and the normal everyday life that, um, you know, w- what the heck's your problem? And I, I feel like, geez, you know, I need to take a nap several days a week. And does that make me, you know, is there something wrong with me? But now if Mark Allen says nine to 10, I am, I am <laughs> strong on that nine to 10, nine to 10 is th- there. You have it listeners. How do you stack up? You know, come on. You know, people that, you know, all the studies you, you, you read out there say, Oh, you have to try to get at least seven or eight hours of sleep a night, you know, good quality sleep. And I'm thinking that just sounds sleep deprived. And I, I don't, I don't think that maybe in ancient times that uh, seven or eight would have been short, but I, I just think that our bodies are are under so much more demand these days with, um, with everything from the, the volume of, emails of people, emails and texts and stuff that they're doing intellectually and and uh, maybe a lot of the uncertainty with jobs that people have, or maybe they're just not happy in the job that they do have. So they're not being, you know, it's not fueling that inner fire. And uh, I think you just need more sleep to sort of reset and uh, rebalance. Well, especially when you're introducing something that's completely foreign to our genetic experience, which is artificial light and digital stimulation after dark and we've had two million years to when the sun's gone down in in the history of uh, humanity um, we didn't do much until thomas edison came along and then steve jobs and uh uh, the guys behind netflix and everything else so we're in in very recent history we're we're dramatically interfering with our circadian rhythm which is so tied into light and dark cycles and you mm. know if you go out and go camping pretty soon after it gets dark you get sleepy you, you mar- roast your marshmallows on the fire and then you know you, it's time to go to bed there's nothing else to do now we got tons to do after dark so that's mm. the that's the big disconnect i think yeah we're uh 
it, it's it's hard to sort of place yourself way back in time and say, okay, now how, what were my ancestors doing? How did how did they maintain balance? You know, I as you know, I've studied shamanism for many years with Brant Secunda, and and uh, one of the main things that he tries to help people to, to do is to connect with that world of nature. You know, he says, when you're out in nature, it reduces your stress. It um, rebalances your, uh, your entire system. You feel good. You know, you have a, a better um, outlook and, and mindset. And, um, you know, this is ancient Weichel Indian shamanism. It's been taught, taught and handed down for thousands and thousands of years. And now, uh, science is finally catching up and improving some of this stuff. Like they, you know, one study that they, that I was reading recently, they had two groups exercise. One did it, uh, in a gym for 30 minutes, uh, some kind of stationary biking thing. And another group exercised outside for 30 minutes. And there was a dramatic difference in the reduction of stress hormones for those who were exercising outside in nature. You know, we're just, we're just hardwired to feel good when we're, we are in that environment. And, uh, you know, in the modern world, we get disconnected from, from that environment because we're in, in these rooms that, that don't have natural light where we get disconnected from the rhythms because, you know, 11 o'clock every night, your, your light can still be on, like you said, and we get disconnected from even the, the seasonal variations in life. You know, like right now it's turning into fall. So what's happening? Well, Ancient peoples, they just start going to bed earlier and getting more sleep. That's part of the rhythm of of how we go through the seasons. And we can sort of wreak havoc on that natural day-to-day rhythm and, and even seasonal yearly rhythm because of uh, the environments that we put ourselves in. Yeah, there's a great book called Lights Out, Sleep, Sugar, and Survival. And the authors make a great case in there that instead of this uh, lip service saying, everyone should get eight hours of sleep, they argue that um, your sleep hours should vary according to the seasons at your latitude. So most people should be striving for nine and a half or more in the winter. And in the summer, you know, maybe eight hours is fine because it's light, you're more active and your your hormones and everything are more calibrated to not needing as much sleep. But um, so you mentioned Brant Secunda. I love that I love that uh, segue into the the work you do with him because I know that's a big part of your life. Um, the Weechol Indians is H-U-I-C-H-O-L if you want to just hit that and, and check out what Mark's talking about. But you guys do these um, fit soul, fit body retreats, right? Yeah, they they originally started we, uh, in around 2000. We called them Sport and Spirit. And then eventually... Uh, uh, and we integrate those two themes of, you know, getting your body healthy, but also getting your internal environment, your spirit charged up. And and how do, how can you do that? How can you do that in the modern world? How can you integrate those two themes of, of moving your body and um, really adopting positive, a positive mindset, a positive connection to life and to your own life to really bring more health and happiness. And so out of that, we were actually offered a, a book contract to um, put a lot of that material in, in written form. And so we wrote a book together that came out around 2007 called Fit Soul, Fit Body, Nine Keys to a Healthier, Happier You. And um, we actually have one of our workshops coming up November 7th through 9th here in Santa Cruz, right on the on the uh, Monterey Bay. It's uh, so Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and it's a just a great uh, few days to be able to sort of re- retool how you approach your, your workouts. Maybe look at new ways of eating that that can sustain the goals that you're after. Make your he- hormones healthier. Uh, you know, really be given some tools to learn how to quiet your mind so that you can be steady, so that you can hear the answers to the big questions you have in life, and to uh, just experience a great community of people for those days. You can you can get more information on that by going to um, our website, fitsoul-fitbody.com. Well said. That sounds awesome. I'm I'm wondering, um, have you have you put any NFL players through the through the program? Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe they could use it. I'm not sure. We haven't had any NFL players. We've had. Um, We've had some world champions. We've had people who are 
very, very, very overweight and do zero uh, physical activity. We've had people that are very spiritual and those who've had no no ex- exposure to anything related to nature or to you know connecting with your heart, those kinds of concepts. And so you know we've had the whole whole gamut of of people, and everybody walks away with feeling like, yeah, now I understand, I, I get, I get it. Now I have. I have kind of a blueprint that I can use to e- evolve my personal journey here and, and to, to get healthier, to be happier, to uh, relieve stress, to, like I said, learn to quiet your mind, to just make that commitment to, to make a connection with nature every day. You know, I ask people, okay, you're stressed, so just go outside when you're feeling totally stressed. Go for a walk for five minutes, 10 minutes. Just get out there, breathe the air. And, uh, you know, you ask people, have you ever gone for a walk before in your life? And they go, of course. And you say, well, how did you feel when you came back? Clearly, everybody feels better when they came back. You know, it's just the we're just hardwired that way. We move. We feel better. We're outside. We feel better. We're in rhythm and in sync with the seasons. We feel better. Why not feel better? I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot-style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. This podcast is going so well. I'm I'm totally digging it. And listeners, you, you get how Mark's like hitting the same wavelengths that we love to talk about, like hardwiring and everything. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it right now. I know the listeners are too. And the reason I brought up that uh, that quip about the NFL players is it, it feels like you've been on to this secret for so long, Mark, through your competitive career and now as a coach, which I'm going to ask you about in a second. But um, I, it feels like a lot of peak performers, such as, for example, an NFL player who has become basically a gladiator, paid large sums to go and you know crush people, um, but it's so one-dimensional. And it, it leads to such um, struggle and, uh, uh, and problems off the field, as, as we're all so well aware of now. Um, so, you know, the average person who, let's say, is pursuing a triathlon goal, and now you're coaching these people, um, I want to ask you, you know, how do you integrate some of these advanced or progressive uh, theories into the nuts and bolts of going out there and working your butt off to pursue um, these these challenging endurance goals. Well, you know, I always tell people that um, athletics can be purely an athletic event, or it can be more. You know, if you 
go to a race or or uh, you have a match, a tennis match, or you're a football player and you win the game or you cross the finish line and set a PR or you win, win a road race, whatever it is, um, you know, that certainly can be a, a an enriching, fulfilling, fun experience, you know, to have achieved that success after you've done so much work to get there. But I always tell people there's a whole other level beyond that that can really touch you deeper touch your life deeper if you're willing to look and and ask yourself what did i really learn from this you know what what were the lessons for me that i can use later and um you know often often we end up kind of going to that place of looking what is it that i can learn or, or, get, or gain from this what did i learn about myself when we have the bad races because we we got to salvage it somehow and so it's like okay I got last or I, I had a, a lousy Ironman. You know, I, I was an hour slower than I went last year. You have to salvage it somehow. And so a lot of times you will look and say, OK, yeah, I had a, I had a bad race, but I stuck with it through those moments where it was really tough. And I just broke it down into smaller chunks. And then I, I found that place inside of myself that said, hey, I'm lucky to be out here. And uh, then it eased up and then I finished. And, you know, that kind of a lesson can help you anywhere. If you're in a tough position in life and things aren't going the way you hope and all of a sudden you can find that place like, wow, maybe it's not ideal, but at least I'm still alive and I am still engaged and my life is still continuing. Then all of a sudden you feel gratitude and then the whole complexion changes. You know, those are the kind of lessons that you can learn through competition through sports that are they're they're the gold you know that's that's some of the stuff that maybe you will only learn because of those difficult things you had to face in in your competitions and so yeah you know i try to tell people have it be an athletic event but have it be something more for you and if you can if you can find that something more uh then it's it's some then your performances will be something that not only enrich your right your own life, but they'll probably inspire others. And they'll also be lessons that you'll be able to use to help other people out. And I, I'm not so sure if, uh, you know, a guy in the NFL is having those kinds of reflective experiences about what they're doing out there, but certainly it could be something that that's what happens. You know, I, I wrote a, a, another book that just got released called The Art of Competition. And there's 90 quotes in that book that talk about competing and, and personal challenge and, and achieving personal excellence that are a lot more thought provoking than just numbers in a logbook and how many quarters you need to do on the track, that kind of a thing. And each, each photo is paired with a photo from nature. Each quote is paired with a photo from nature laid out in two page spreads. And so I've, I've integrated kind of a lot of these themes that we're talking about today, Brad, of, you know, the photos from nature, they're like the aha, wow, look at that. You know, when people just look at the, the images, they feel good. And then when they read the words and, and think about it and let them soak in deep, uh, then it touches them on a on a broader level that will help them in anything that they're doing. I think I think that a lot of people are missing the greatness of sport because they are just focused on the numbers and the results. And those who have transcended the numbers and the results and found themselves and found parts of themselves they never knew they had because of the sport uh, because of sports because of athletics the community and the training um, that's that's where that's when sport really becomes something great you know I, I just wrote something that I put up on Facebook the other day it said um, something to the effect of I Iron Man forces you to become less of who you think you are and more of who you are supposed to become. <laughs> and um, I think that's, you know, that could be said really about anything that we're doing. But if you're putting a lot of effort into athletics, allow that to transform you and make you a better person. Let's take a moment of silence to absorb that for a second. <laughs> okay, that was a little heavy, huh? That it was, was awesome. It that was, was awesome. I, post, I posted that and hardly anybody commented. <laughs> yeah. was, was, it, was it not shallow enough for everybody? <laughs> I don't get it. You get more comments on, oh, I just I just got some time in the green room with eight foot 
eight foot swells. Awesome, Mark. That's killer, dude. Wish yeah, I was there. Yeah. One of the biggest one of the biggest Facebook responses I've ever ever had was I I um post I have a cat and I, I posted a picture of the cat and I just put the question, dogs or cats? <laughs> and I had I had hundreds of people. Oh, dogs because oh no, cats because, you know. Anyway. Endless debating back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we, uh, before we wrap this up, there's, there's another, um, element that I I think you've already given us some clues about having that mindset going into pursuing endurance goals or any kind of, uh, challenging fitness goal. Um, but as you probably know, the primal blueprint uh, likes to, um, disparage these trends toward chronic cardio, as Mark calls it, where your endurance pursuits or, or your fitness pursuits of any kind become so extreme that they compromise your health because the stress becomes chronic rather than intermittent or sporadic, which is more what we're hardwired for. Mm -hmm. So you have these guys, you're in business. It's called Mark Allen Online, right? The the, the coaching website. I changed it. It's called MarkAllenCoaching.com. Okay. MarkAllenCoaching.com. Yeah, Yeah, it's Um, actually, it'll it'll be uh, up in probably about two weeks. Well, by the time we air this, we'll maybe we'll time it with the launch of that coaching website. But you've been coaching for a while. And so yeah. people people show up at your doorstep, your virtual doorstep. I don't know, maybe some t- people stalk you in Santa Cruz. I'm not sure. But um, they show up and they say, OK, uh, I got a family. I got little kids. I got a full time job. I've been executive busy and I want to do this Ironman distance triathlon. So right now we're in a we're in a bit of a um, conundrum about how to preserve health with such an extreme and fully packed life. So how do you address address that physical element of of doing um, the sport in a healthy, balanced manner? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Brad, because um, a lot of a lot of people. And a lot of coaches just train for endurance events uh, at, at, a, at way too high of intensity for the body to be able to have come out the other end healthy. And so I, I'm very careful with my athletes and making sure that, um, the majority of their workouts are, are fairly aerobic. You know, they're, they're physiologically low stress on the body. And, you know, every now and then clearly if they're going to have a, their, their ultimate peak genetic performance, they have to do some faster speed work. But I, I parse that out very sparingly because, uh, you know, high intensity endurance training will just ruin your body. It ruins your body. If you don't get injured, you know, your whole cardiovascular system is going to end up looking like a, an old jalopy very early in a, in life. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, and it's interesting because people that come with, to me from other coaching services where maybe they've had some good results, but maybe some bad ones. Uh, you know, at first they're like, wow, you're having me go so slow. It's not doing any good. And I'm going, no, no, no. It's you're, you're getting the right type of training now. And over time they see that, um, you know, those little niggling injuries go away because their body is, is not overstressed. Uh, they feel good. They're not exhausted all the time. And in the end, then they have these great races, uh, feeling solid all the way through and, and not taking as long to recover. And, you know, I, th- I think that's just a stamp of approval that shows that y- you do need to train, but you don't need to train as hard as you probably thought you did to have great results. And so if, if people can sort of temper that type AAA enthusiasm and go back to, as you're talking about, how we're hardwired from ancient times, you know, our ancestors did not go doing intervals and fart like up and down hillsides. Everything they did was steady. And that's how we're hardwired to get more healthy is to do fairly steady, low intensity type of um, exercise. And if we do that, then our bodies are going to get stronger and healthier and we'll live longer. But the whole uh, type AAA speed work three times, four times a week, long rides, killing yourself, long runs, running super hard. Well, we all know what the results of those are. Yeah, unfortunately, we've had to sit here and watch our peer group, uh, numerous members of, uh, you know, the old time triathlon guard uh, suffer from serious cardiovascular problems, heart attacks, um, heart abnormalities that 
cause them to immediately end their careers and so forth. And it's it's getting to be it's a topic that Mark's written about on Mark Stingley Apple uh, mm-hmm. from time to time. And it's it's no funny business that, you know, this this fitness pursuits uh, can can quite quite easily compromise your health if you don't do it right. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the key to the balance, right? And in the last, uh, you know, couple decades, have you seen some breakthroughs in terms of advancements, technology that uh, perhaps allow people to? I know they're still not going as fast as you did 25 years ago in Hawaii, which is pretty incredible. Uh, but overall, is is it easier to? trained smarter and more effectively now? I mean, we're really getting big on this HRV thing, for example, and I don't know what else you've seen out there that you really like in terms of progress. Yeah, the the, uh, the things that measure heart rate variability are, seem to be really good as far as um, giving people a, a fairly black and white um, read on what's going on in their body. You know, are they exhausted even though their brain is telling them they need to go out and do those workouts or are they actually physiologically able to, will they be physiologically able to absorb this big session that they have coming up? And um, I I think that's probably the the single most um, important tool that has come out recently as far as helping people dial in their, their workouts and their training so that they, they do enough, but they don't, overdo it as many people have done in the past yeah and there's also um you got to put in a plug for that that low tech option too where the guy who's sleeping in a little bit and missing the start of the workout um i think that's a that's why i like to tell that story it's a pretty profound um (laughs) you know insight that you're you're committed to the you know, the correct process and the healthy process more so than the ego and all these frailties and, and um, you know, misguided uh, approaches that, you, that we see so frequently with, you know, the, the run-of-the-mill person just walking by the window of a, fa- a fitness facility and seeing someone struggling on the stair climber, the elliptical, um, and realizing, as you just mentioned with your athletes, you, even the top, top athletes in the world are mostly comfortable during their training sessions is is that is that correct i mean you're not killing yourself every day but you're going fast and and you blow by someone on the sidewalk and they're like wow there goes mark allen he's really running fast but to you the pace is comfortable yeah you know i (laughs) i know they don't say that anymore mark when you're you're jogging by i haven't blown by anybody recently (laughs) let me see if i can remember what that was like I, you know, years ago, a couple of years ago, I was in Boston at a, you know, it was in February. I was giving a talk and I uh, got in that uh, in the evening and I wanted to just do a little exercise. It was freezing cold. So I went to the, the little health club thing in the hotel and was running on a, on a treadmill. And, you know, I wasn't paying attention to the pace or anything, but the thought occurred to me, let's see, when I, when I did Ironman, I ran about just over six minute mile pace, you know, 605, 610, sometimes a little faster for sections. And I thought, I wonder what that feels like because I, (laughs) Oh no, I, Oh my God, I haven't measured anything for years, you know, decades. So, um, I start clicking the up button, you know, to get the thing to go faster and faster. And finally it dropped down to a six minute mile and I lasted one minute and I thought, Oh my God, I, I felt like I was sprinting there. And I did that for 26 miles straight with no rest. Off how the was, bike, off a 112-mile bike ride. How How is that possible? And it, it just shows that, um, you know, you get yourself ready for the task at hand uh, at the time that you're doing it. And uh, I I think it, it takes a lot for people to um, to let that experience be enough at some point also. You know, like if I tried to train and maintain that level of um fitness now i'd probably kill myself um but i did it for a period that felt like it was the right amount of time and then i said that's that's it that's enough if i keep doing this i will it's going to draw something out of my vital vital life energy and i don't want to do that and so at, at age 38 i walked away from the sport retired from competition and since then you know i 
I exercise almost every day, but none of it is intense. Rarely is it intense, I should say. Um, it's it's certainly more holistic with uh, surfing. And um, I feel good when I do it, but I don't push myself at, at all, ever. I run, you know, but I'll run 30 minutes, 40 minutes and just I'm cruising. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to set any standard. And I do some strength training because I think that's also important. But um, where I'm getting at with that is that, you know, I'm 56 and I feel extremely healthy, probably healthier than I was when I was racing. But I'm I was more fit then. You know, you're you're right on that edge when you're at the top of peak performance and you're one step away from being injured or completely burned out. And um, nowadays, I'm I'm definitely nowhere close to the burnout edge, and uh, I'm don't feel like I'm very close to the injury edge either. So I think I'm doing things the way the way that we're meant to be doing it. Yeah, well said. Thank you. I I feel the same. Like I'm, you know, in many ways healthier and fitter in a broader sense. Uh, here almost I'm almost 50 now Mark God everyone's getting old um, but you know when I was 30 I felt like I was beat up and and I felt like I was 80 in many ways even though I could rattle off you know the only thing missing from the picture now is uh, you can't do an eight-hour Ironman anymore and you probably don't care <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah um, so I'm going to leave the the listeners with this great uh, quote on the page of your book and and plug that book again the art of competition um, we're here in the, the late fall and Christmas is coming up and it seems like a really good Christmas gift idea to get for sort of a coffee table thing, but it's not just, um, you know, superficial stuff. You'll learn some, some, uh, great insights from the quotes blended with the pictures of nature, but they, they call the book, uh, an iconic combination of inspirational quotes forged in the heat of competition and blended with breathtaking photos from the world of nature. It relieves the outcome of being important to bestow the highest significance to the exact moment at hand when nothing else matters. That focus quiets the mind, initiates stillness, and opens up every facet of one's being in order to lock in and ignite the potential just waiting to be catalyzed moment by moment. When past and future disappear and winning and losing are forgotten, competition subsides, leaving the only possibility that anything is possible. Wow, who wrote that? I know, oh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, if people go to um, the website is art-of-competition.com, art-of-competition.com, and you can see uh, some samples of some of the photos and uh, a little more information on the book, and you can order the book online right there. And um, there's, there's two versions. There's a regular edition, uh, that's 200 and about 224 pages and then a limited edition that has 24 quotes that I've taken from the main body of the book and written expanded thoughts on what they what I think they mean and, and how they can be used. And uh, the limited edition has 48 extra bonus pages in it. And uh, there's only 600 of those that are printed that will ever be printed in English. They're signed, uh, signed and numbered. And uh, I've actually sold just over 300 of them. So they're going fast. And once they're gone, those limited editions are gone for good. Dude, I'm on that right now. That's, you have to go to the art dash of dash competition to get the limited edition. Is that what you're saying? Uh, you, you can yeah. order either one there. Yeah. Or wait till it comes out in French because you know they love you in France. <laughs> Monsieur yeah. Marc Alain, les premiers compétiteurs à la championnat du monde du triathlon de Nice. Yeah. <laughs> And then you come out, and uh, one of my favorite memories of you is going to the awards uh, presentation in, in France, and everything's in French, and you're sitting there, uh, you know, in a loop, and then Mark gets up to, to give his victory speech, and he busts one out in French. That was, wow. that was sweet. So, Mark Allen, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. I hope you have a great time surfing in Santa Cruz and pursuing all these wonderful new outlets for your... Uh, awesome, awesome spirit and competitive intensity with the retreats and the books and the coaching. So Mark Allen on the Primal Blueprint podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Brad, thanks so much. Take care. 
I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. I hope you enjoy this episode and encourage you to check out the Primal Endurance Mastery Course at primalendurance.fit. This is the ultimate online educational experience where you can learn from the world's great coaches and trainers, diet, peak performance, and recovery experts, as well as lengthy one-on-one interviews from several of the greatest endurance athletes of all time, not published anywhere else. It's a major educational experience with hundreds of videos, but you can get free access to a mini course with an ebook summary of the Primal Endurance approach and nine step-by-step videos on how to become a Primal Endurance athlete. This mini course will help you develop a strong basic understanding of this all-encompassing approach to endurance training that includes Primal-aligned eating to escape carbohydrate dependency and enhance fat metabolism, building an aerobic base with comfortably paced workouts, strategically introducing high-intensity strength and sprint workouts, emphasizing rest recovery and annual periodization, and finally cultivating an intuitive approach to training instead of the usual robotic approach of fixed weekly workout schedules. Just head over to primalendurance.fit and learn all about the course and how we can help you go faster and preserve your health while you're at it. 